Welcome to Parsha Panorama for Parsha's Toldos, where we have an absolutely packed Parsha where there's so much to say, so much that should be said, but for our purposes we are going to focus on the big picture as we go through the specific components of the Parsha, as we always do. So on the one hand, we're going to look at what is Parsha's Toldos on the larger map of the Torah, and of course, what are the specific components of the Parsha. What is Parsha's Toldos made up of? So um, what you can tell already from the outset is the name of the Parsha, Parsha's Toldos, right? So what is that a reference to? The Toldos Yitzchak. So this Parsha teaches us about the children of Yitzchak. Right? The Pasuk the, the begins, Elo Toldos Yitzchak, Avram Holodos Yitzchak. So that's something that we kind of have to discuss. The, the opening Pasuk says these are the children, or these are the offspring, the progeny, or the chronicles, Right, a lot of different translations of Toldos. But these are the Toldos of Yitzchak. And then the Pasuk says Avraham was the one who gave birth to Yitzchak. Um, obviously, Sarah did, um, but um, Avraham was the father. So why the Pasuk goes back to tell us this, we will come back to that point. But before we get to the strange aspect of that Pasuk, that Avraham holidus Yitzchak, that Avraham birthed Yitzchak, we have the concept of Yitzchak's children. And if we could point to one topic, at least, that the Parsha is about, it would, this would be about Yitzchak's children. Yitzchak and Rivka, they start off barren, but then they have two kids known as Yaakov and Esav. Right? So, we, um, so we meet the offspring of Yitzchak, and as we'll see, this is going to be the next step in the larger mission that we've been describing in Parsha Panorama up until now. So we meet Yaakov and Esav, and this is, in a certain sense, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of the B'nai Israel in a certain sense, because we know that we come from Yaakov Avinu. But although for us it's a given that Yaakov Avinu was the one, the one that would be chosen, so it's not so clear from the Chumash that that was a given. It's not so clear that we would be the nation of the Bnei Yisrael, that we would even ever exist, necessarily, at least as Hashem's chosen people, because Yitzchak had two children. Yitzchak had two children, Yaakov Esav, and Esav was the Bechor. And for at least Yitzchak's um, expectations, at, at least it seems, from a, at least enough Mepharshim, that Yitzchak intended to pass on the torch to Esav. As we'll see, even that is not so clear. We'll get to that. But we are picking up again with Yitzhak and Yitzhak's children. Now, what we still have to return to is how this affects the larger map of the Torah. right? Because we came off of Parshas Chayisara. Right? So Chayisara, we talked about perpetuating the legacy of Sarah Imenu through Rivka. So we said that Avraham's mission... Right, Avraham was chosen in Parshas um, Noach slash Lech Lecha after um, two groups of generations. The Dor HaMabal, the Dor HaFlaga failed to, to, to earn the ultimate good that, um, for which Hashem created the world in the first place. So Hashem picked one person, Avraham, and through Avraham there would be a Yitzchak, but of course there that needed a Sarah, so Avraham and Sarah had Yitzchak. And in order for Yitzchak to continue the mission... So there needed to be a Rivka. Fine, so then we have Rivka. Now we have their kids. So now that we're there, let's talk about some of the specific components of the Parsha, and then we'll come back to some questions. Okay, so in the Parsha, 
I put it as three sections, three very simple sections. And it's kind of a sandwich, actually. Number one, we have Yaakov and Esav. We meet Yaakov and Esav that told us Yitzchak, the children of Yitzchak. That obviously is the story of um, Rivka, her infertility, her pregnancy. Um, there's a prophecy. She's very confused about what she's going through during her pregnancy. And um, then Yaakov and Esav are born. We, under, we, we learn about their personalities. And we have obviously the story of the sale of the Bechorah, where where Esav essentially sells his birthright, his firstborn status, to Yaakov when he comes back from the field and he's hungry and Yaakov gives him the bowl of lentils only under the condition that Esav um, swears to give up his firstborn status. So the first part of the Parsha is really the origins of Yaakov and Esav. That's also the last part of the Parsha. The last part of the Parsha is in section 3, we come back to Yaakov and Esav because that's where we actually have the other exchange where Yaakov wins the brachos from um, Yitzchak. He intercepts them from Esav with the help of Rivka. Rivka Imenu tells Yaakov that he has to go in and intercept the brachos. Yitzchak is obviously blind and he's unaware. And that's the end of the Parsha. But what I glossed over is the thing in the middle. As I mentioned, the Parsha is actually, it contains a sandwich. The sandwich is that we have the, the Yaakov and Esav actually make up the, the two bookends. They are the bread of the sandwich. And whatever you want to put in the middle, whether it's peanut butter jelly or I, I'm, I'm into deli, so, you know, I'm a cold cuts. So a salami sandwich, let's say. The salami of our sandwich is the story of Yitzchak in Gerar. Yitzchak in the land of the Plishtim, where Yitzchak uh, finds himself redigging wells. The, the, the Chumash begins that section by telling us about a famine. There was a famine in Eretz Yisrael, and Hashem specifically tells Yitzchak, don't go down to Mitzrayim the way your father did. Um, and there are different reasons given. Maybe Yitzchak was not allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael because he was an Ola Tamima. He was a, a, a pure carbon, so he had to stay in Eretz Yisrael. But the point is, the Chumash highlights that this, this, uh, this famine was, aside from the famine that existed in Avraham's time, there was another famine, and this happened in Yitzchak's time. So what happens in this story, ultimately, Yitzchak, it's a very strange part of the Parsha. The Chumash goes out of its way to tell us about how Yitzchak does something similar to what Avraham did when Yitzchak thought his wife was going to be kidnapped. He had his wife um, masquerade as his sister. Interesting, there's a lot of masquerading in our Parsha. Um, this is Yaakov masquerading as Esav, and we have Rivka masquerading as Yitzchak's sister. This is all Yitzchak's idea. Obviously, Yitzchak did this because um, Yitzchak didn't want um, anyone, you know, didn't want to die, just like the way Avraham didn't want to die. So Yitzchak, following the footsteps of his father Avraham, he has um, um, Rivka masquerade as his sister, and then um, ultimately Avimelech finds out and gets upset. But then Avimelech and Yitzchak make a deal. And in the Parsha, Yitzchak has to redig wells because the Plishtim, they stop up the um, Avraham and they plug up all of um, and put dirt into all of Avraham's wells that Avraham had dug. And Yitzchak has to spend a lot of the Parsha doing dirty work and redigging the wells. So the obvious question, which we have to come back to, is why the Chumash needed to tell us about these specific parts of Yitzchak's life. Why do we need to know that Yitzchak undug wells? It seems like a not-so-exciting part of the Parsha. And honestly, if we had to put things in order in a certain way, 
we would have maybe put all of this as maybe in Parshas Chayesara, you know, the story of the wells. You might say maybe chronology is the reason, but chronology is usually never a good reason for order in the Torah. Um, because there are a lot of things that are not in chronological order. I would say that, honestly, chronology, uh, chronology is a good reason to put things in a certain way, but Chumash often will pick theme over chronology. And in this case, why would you interrupt the Yaakov Esav story? Right? Because we meet Yaakov Esav in the beginning of the Parsha. Then we have like a, an, an intermission where we, where we interrupt this program to bring you Yitzchak digging up some wells. And then finally, we come back to Yaakov and Esav at the end of the Parsha, where Yitzhak is getting ready to die, and, um, and Yaakov um, and Esav um, end up having their exchange over the brachos, because um, Yitzhak says to Esav, go get me the food, and I'll give you the bracha, and then Yaakov comes in for the steal. So why would you interrupt the entire yaakov Esav saga for this, again, this unexciting story about Yitzhak uh, and, and these wells? But anyway, that's something we have to think about. So again, starting from the top, we have meeting Yaakov and Esav in their origins, then and the, sell, the selling of the, the birthright, then we have the story of Yitzchak and Gerar with all of the wells, and then we have back to Yaakov and Esav with the, st- the, the, the steal, um, the theft of the brachos. And after that, obviously, um, we, um, we have... Rivka Imenu coming in for the save once again to make sure that Yaakov gets uh, to safety, so she tells Yaakov to leave home, and at that point, um, the rest is history. So, in terms of the questions, there are a couple of questions that I, that I want to focus on. Um, one of them is the one that we just mentioned about the wells. The other question is really two other questions. One that has to do with Asaph. It's very strange about Esav. Um, it's not so clear from the Chumash how much Yitzchak knew about Esav. Right? And there, there are two questions I want to ask about Esav. The first one was, was Esav just pure evil? Like, did he ever have a chance? You get this impression from the Midrash that Esav always had this yearning for Avodah even from the time that he was not even, not even born. He was in utero, and he's kicking. He wants to get out to go to the base of Odezara. Now, if it's true, it almost seems like Esau was destined for pure evil. And, like, is that fair? Did he have free choice? Like, we think of Yaakov and Esau as, you know, being who they were, that Yaakov was the good one, Esau was the bad one. And the truth is, I addressed this question in, our, in Muster Minutes, um, and we, um, which was a very fascinating conversation um, if I say so myself, about uh, the Vilnagon and how Esav um, had the special skill of trapping the Adne Hasada, I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to it. But it's strange. Did Esav have free choice? So obviously he had to have free choice, because it's also interesting. The Chumash tells us, really Rashi tells us, that after when the Chumash says, that Yaakov and Esav grew up, so Rashi tells us that their personalities were completely indistinguishable until they reached at least um, age 13 or their young adulthood. So on the one hand, in the womb, we find Esav yearning towards Avodazara, and then they're born and then you don't see this yearning, at least not until he's 13. It almost seems like it was, I don't know if it was symbolic, or, but the, the point is that whatever was happening in Rivka's womb, it was all, you know, in a certain sense, in, in, in secret, meaning 
it's something that's almost unconscious. It didn't come out. Asaph's true personality didn't fully come out until he was um, a young adult. And we wouldn't have been able to tell. Can you imagine someone like Asaph who became a Novita Vodazara and possibly a murderer and a rapist? Um, and and we, we couldn't tell the difference between Yaakov and Asaph until they were age 13. Something to think about. But the point is that this should all tell us that Esav was not always that bad. Even if he had a Yetzirah for Avodah Zarah when he was in the womb, this should tell us that Esav was not all that bad. And after all, Yitzchak didn't think, or at least it seems that Yitzchak didn't think Esav was all that bad. So, so, so Esav must have had a shot like any of us did. Uh, you know, having free choice. Maybe he had a bigger Yetzirah in a certain respect, or maybe he had a very, a very specific kind of a Yetzirah. But it makes you wonder, what was the original plan? You know, Rivka, if we think about it, Rivka did not absolutely have to have two kids. There could have just been one kid, and the whole story would have been a much easier story. Could you imagine if there was no Yaakov and Esav, and there was just a Yaakov? Or let's say there was just an Esav, and there was no competition. So Yitzchak and Rivka would have put all of their mental and emotional energy into Esav, and then Esav could have been a tzaddik. Imagine. But there were two kids. Now, that, that, that should make us wonder why there had to, you know, obviously, it, there's not much we can say or do about it. That's, that's what happened historically. But why did there have to be two kids? And since there were two kids, why does there have to be one good one and one bad one? Right? Like, oh, the, Yaakov's the good one, Esav's the bad one. And we have Rivka and Yitzchak, so to speak, playing favorites. Why did that have to happen? So, for, again, why did there have to be two kids? And if there has to be two kids... Why did there have to be one good one and one bad one? And the answer, very simply, is that there didn't have to be one good one, one bad one. They both could have been good. And they both would have worked together. Right? Maybe Esav had a materialistic leaning, a Yetzirah that, if unbridled, he could have gone all the way to the base of Odazara. But, as I mentioned in Muster Minutes, Esav had a different avoda than Yaakov. And without getting into the specifics of what I said in the Muster Minutes, I'll say very simply that Yaakov had a more spiritual avoda, Esav had a more physical avoda. All the, the Mepharshim, um, they comment that Esav and Yaakov were supposed to have a, um, uh, or really Yaakov and Esav were supposed to have a Yisachar Zvulun relationship, where the Yisachar focused on the spirituality, Zvulun focused on the, um, the materialism, the physicality that, that was needed. So one brought the Torah, one brought the Kamach, and together they would serve Hashem. And that was what they had, that, that was what perhaps everyone had in mind for Yaakov and Esav. So then, and, and in fact, there are a lot of Mepharshim that say that although Sfarno and Rav Hirsch, they both are pretty clear that Yitzchak didn't know the extent of Esav's wickedness. They, they Esav, Yitzchak did not know how bad Esav was. But there are a lot of Mepharshim that say that Yitzchak knew quite a lot about Esav, even though, I don't know if he didn't know that Esav was so wicked, but the Beis Halevi, the Noam Elimelech, so you have, you know, you, you have Litvish, you have Chasidish, you have Perushim on all sides um, saying that Yitzchak knew very well who Esav was, and he wanted to give him the bracha anyway. There, the Beis Halevi goes further and says that Yitzchak Avinu never actually meant to make Esav number one. And he proves this because at the end of the Parsha, um, we find, well actually, I'll, before I get to the end of the Parsha, when we get to the story 
about um, the actual stealing of the brachos. So in that story, the bracha that Yitzchak gives to Yaakov and when he thinks Yaakov is Esav, he gives him a very materialistic blessing. Beis HaLevi says, who do you think that bracha was for? That was an Esav bracha. The spiritual bracha he never meant to give to Esav. Now you have, again, you still have Mepharshim on all sides saying, did Yitzchak you know, intend to make Esav number one or did Yitzchak intend to make Esav and Yaakov a pair that would work together? But that's something to think about. If, we, if the question is, what did Hashem have in mind for Esav? Esav was not born destined to be evil. He was born destined to be different. And he could have succeeded in his mission too. And the fact that there were two children to take on Avraham's you know, mission, to take on uh, Yitzhak's mission, that, you know, that, that, didn't, you know, that, that didn't have to be a problem. The problem was that Esav ultimately became a Russia, and we're going to have to come back to this. Now let's go back to the, the other question that we asked. Because when we talk about, when we get to truly understand Yaakov and Esav, you know, we, we cannot do that without understanding the story that's added to Parshas Toldos, which we, again, said, why is this here? The whole story in the middle, the whole middle chunk of our sandwich, of our Parsha, is the story of Yitzchak and the wells. And it's very, very strange. What in the world is this story doing here? So, I'll just point out that there is a commentator known as the Tosvos Hashalim. And, and I, only, I, I heard of the Tosvos Hashalim from my Rebbe of Jonathan Sachs. And he quotes the Tosvos Hashalim, who says that there are no fewer than 14 parallels. There are 14 things that Yitzchak and Avraham have in common, based on stories that happened in, in the Torah. So, for example, like we mentioned earlier, Avraham said that Sarah was his sister. Yitzchak said that Rivka was his sister. They, they, you know, they, both, they, they both did a lot of things in common. That was just one example. What's very fascinating is the Chumash goes out of its way to tell us that there was a famine in Yitzchak's time besides for the famine that was in Avraham's time. Now, obviously, the famine was besides for the one that happened in Avraham's time. Why does the Chumash need to say that there was a famine besides for the one that happened in Avraham's time? Apparently, the Chumash wants us to, to have Avraham on the back of our mind. Why? Well, let's keep going. The Chumash says when Yitzhak is thinking about going down to Mitzrayim, Hashem stops him in his tracks and says, don't go down. He says, I'm going to give this land, Eretz Yisrael, to you, as I promised to your father Avraham. Why? Because Avraham kept the Torah. Avraham, or Avraham kept all the mitzvos. And there are different explanations to what that means. But Avraham kept the mitzvos. And this land is going to be your land. Okay, fine. Then we get to the story of the wells. Now, maybe just by itself, the story of the wells does not seem very significant, right? So he's digging wells. And what do wells do? They give you water. So what? Who cares? But there's a lot of symbolism to this story. And all the Mepharshim comment on the symbolism of the story. But one basic symbol is what is Yitzchak doing? Yitzchak is digging up wells that his father, Avraham, had originally dug. Yitzchak is trying to conserve and to preserve and to perpetuate the legacy of his father, Avraham. That's what's happening in the middle of our Parsha. Why is that significant, that Yitzchak is trying to perpetuate the legacy of Avraham Avinu? If you want to understand the struggle that, that Yitzchak and Rivka went through to choose the heir of the family, so to speak, you have to understand Yitzchak's goal. 
The question that we have to answer is what was Yitzchak looking for when he was choosing to bless his children? What was Yitzchak looking for? The answer is in the middle of our Parsha, and the answer is in the beginning of our Parsha. What is the whole point of the middle of the Parsha? That Yitzchak is trying to preserve the legacy of Avraham. That's what the Parsha is about. Yitzchak wants to know who's going to carry on Avraham's legacy. Who is going to be the Zerah Avraham? Remember, we spoke about this at length in the other Parshios, that Avraham had a dual role. On the one hand, Avraham would be the Avhamon Goyim. He is the father of a, multiple, a multitude of nations. And what that means is that Avraham is the conduit through which all the nations of the world can earn blessing. By, by, by making themselves subservient to Avraham, by attaching themselves to Avraham and Avraham's children. But Avraham is a father to everybody. But Avraham has a special child, the Zerah Avraham. Right? Avraham has many banim, right? he has many children, but he has only one Zerah. There's one Zerah, the Zerah Avraham is Yitzchak. Keep Yitzchak yikar lecha Zerah. That's what Hashem says to Avraham. Yitzchak will be the one who is called your Zerah. No one else is called your Zerah. Now that we know that, we could appreciate the beginning of our Parsha. Eilet holdos Yitzchak, Avraham holdos Yitzchak. These are the children of Yitzchak, Avraham gave birth to Yitzchak. Why are you telling me this obvious fact that Avraham gave birth to Yitzchak? And you're telling me this fact that if you, like, it's one thing if you want to tell me, right, that Rashi says, oh, because people were maligning Yitzchak, saying that, oh, Yitzchak wasn't really Avram's child, he was Avimelech's child, because Avimelech had kidnapped Sarah in Parshas Vayera. So people would say that he was a really Avram's child. So Chazal tell us that Hashem made sure that Yitzchak had a resemblance to Avraham. But why are you telling that to us now in Parshas Toldos? Tell us that in Parshas Vayera, when Yitzchak's born. Why are you telling that to us in Toldos? I'll tell you why. In Toldos, you have to understand. In order to understand the story of Yaakov and Esav, you have to understand Yitzchak's relationship with Avraham. Yitzchak is the Zerah of Avraham. Yitzchak wants to perpetuate the legacy of Avraham. Yitzchak is looking, essentially, for who is going to be the next Avraham of our people, of the family. That's why we start off Eila told us Yitzchak. These are the children. This is the story of Yitzchak, the children of Yitzchak. But Avraham told us Yitzchak. So on the one hand, there's told us Yitzchak. How many told us Yitzchak are there? There are two. One named Yaakov, one named Esav. But Avraham told us Yitzchak. How many Zera Avrahams are there in our Parsha? That is the struggle that Yitzchak and Rivka are struggling with. That's the struggle. Who is going to be the next Zerah Avraham? Right now, Yitzchak is the Zerah Avraham. And Yitzchak is looking at his children, and he's, and he's asking himself, who is going to you know, be the Zerah Avraham? Maybe it could be both. Maybe it could only be one. Maybe it could only be one. Some might say that Yitzchak entirely wanted to pick Esav. Esav is the one. Yaakov's not the one. Yaakov is a Yoshev Ohalim. He sits in tents. How can you be an Avraham by just sitting in the tents? Avraham had a tent, yes, but Avraham went out into the world and he, he did things. Esav is in the Sada. So you might say that Yitzchak looked at, at his children and said, who's going to go out in the world? It would be Esav. You might say that. Maybe you'll have a nicer approach, so to speak, and you'll say that Yitzchak wanted to pick both of them. 
you can't just have Gashmias, right? You need Ruchmias too. So let, let there be a partnership between Yaakov and Esav. This is a little bit the way I lean. Um, I, I lean in this direction. I believe, based on the Beis HaLevi, that Yitzchak wanted to pick both Yaakov and Esav together. Right, because if you think about it, it's very fascinating, because even if Avraham's um, legacy could best be perpetuated by someone who's willing to be a go-getter, to go out into the world, like Esav, still, Hashem comes to Yitzchak and says, your, ch- your child, um, he, where he says, your legacy is going to be to carry on the legacy of Avraham, the person whom I chose because he kept my Torah, that only describes one of Yitzchak's children. Who keeps the Torah? Who's going to do what Avraham did and keep Hashem's Torah? It's not going to be Esav. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be Yaakov. Now, it could be at the time Yitzchak wasn't aware. Yitzchak wasn't aware that Hashem's message to Yitzchak was that your next Avraham is not necessarily going to be someone who has a personality like Avraham, who goes out into the world and does things, but it's going to be someone who has the Ratzon of the Ratzon Hashem. Someone who knows how to follow Hashem's instructions. I don't care what your personality is. Avraham and Yitzchak didn't even have the same personality. Avraham was a go-getter, and he went out into the world and did things. Yitzchak was very reserved. Yitzchak lived a life of meditation and isolation. He was an Ola Tanima. He never even was able to leave Eretz Yisrael his entire life. So Avraham and Yitzchak didn't even have the same personality, and Yitzchak was able to carry on Avraham's legacy. So the next child, the next Zerah Avraham, it didn't matter if he was a person in the fields or a person in the tents. The question is, is he going to fulfill Ratzon Hashem? And this is where Rivka realized, perhaps, that Yitzchak did not. Now, again, the Beis HaLevi says that when push came to shove, when Yitzchak found out that Yaakov was the one who stole the brachos, he said, Gam But the Beis HaLevi comments that if you get to the very end of the Parsha, just before Yaakov leaves to go to Haran, Right, Rivka sends him away. So just before he goes, so he says goodbye to Yitzchak, and Yitzchak gives him a bracha. And what does Yitzchak say? Yitzchak says, Hashem should give you the birkas Avraham. Look very closely. It's explicit in the Pasuk. Yitzchak doesn't give that to Esav. Even after, after everything, Yitzchak does not give Esav the birkas Avraham. He gives the birkas Avraham to Yaakov. This is not in the scene where they're stealing the brachas. This is after. Yaakov is getting ready to leave. And, and Yitzchak says, Hashem should give you the Berkas Avraham, that you will carry on the legacy. And this leads many, the, the, again, the Beis, the Beis HaLevi, the Noam Elimelech, they both say this, and I'm sure others say this, but they say that Yitzchak's intention the entire time was to pass the torch on to, to Yaakov, at least. Maybe with Esav too, but not to the exclusion of Yaakov. Because even if Yitzchak had a particular love for Esav, Yitzchak wasn't dumb. Yitzchak knew that Esav wasn't a person who was great at Ruchnius, who was great at fulfilling Ratzon Hashem. Yitzchak wasn't, wasn't dumb. He wasn't unaware. But Yitzchak wanted Esav to have a peace too. Now why was Yitzchak apparently mistaken? Because right? why was Rivka so desperate to make sure that Yaakov stole the brachos? If after all... Yitzchak didn't even give Yaakov the Berkas, uh, sorry, he didn't, he didn't give Ace of the Berkas Avram. He was only going to give that to Yaakov, according to the Beis Alevi. So the answer 
is that you can say one of two things. You could either say that Rivka was unaware of which bracha Ya'am Yitzchak was going to give um, to give Esav. So it's just to be safe, she put Yaakov in the way. But that's not what the Beis HaLevi says. The Beis HaLevi says that Rivka realized that it would not be enough for Yaakov to just succeed with the spiritual blessing of the Birkas Avraham. No, because if Esav was not going to fulfill Ratzon Hashem, even by going out into the world and living a material life, Lishma, he wasn't going to do that. So you know who needed that bracha too? Who needed the material blessing? Yaakov needed both. Rivka understood if Yaakov is going to be doing this mission by himself, because right, again, Yitzchak, I, I believe Yitzchak wanted Yaakov and Esav to do it together. But Rivka saw Esav's not going to carry his own weight. He's not going to. Was, did he have the, the, the capacity to, the capabilities of doing so? He did, originally. And that was the original plan. But he wasn't carrying his weight. He decided that he was going to succumb to his Yitzhahara. He had the ability, but he didn't have the Ratzon. And since he didn't have the Ratzon, Rivka says, okay, listen, Yaakov has to carry the weight of both of them. And if Yaakov is going to do that, Yaakov needs to have both the mission of Esav and the mission of Yaakov. That means that Yaakov needs the material blessing and he needs the spiritual blessing. Now, there again, there's so much to be said on, the, on this Parsha. How Yaakov, the Ish Ms, the, uh, the Ish Tam, can go through with what looks like a bold-faced lie so this I would recommend you go back um, to my other podcast, Real Talk Torah, where I have a conversation with my, my older brother of Daniel. We talk at length about how to understand Yaakov Avinu's lie in this week's Parsha. How do we relate to it as from and hopefully moral and honest Jews? But leaving that aside, once again, this Parsha is not just a Parsha about a family and a set of twins and, you know, which, um, one is gonna, you know well, one's going to get blessed, the other not. This is a story about Yitzchak deciding who's going to be the next, um, who's going to be the next person to carry the torch of Avram Avinu. Because again, there might be two Toldos Yitzchak, but maybe there's only one Zara Avraham between the two of them. The Zara Avraham was not going to be Esav. It could only be Yaakov. And this is actually alluded to when Hashem says to Yitzchak, Ki bi Yitzchak yikara Bi Yitzchak and not kol Yitzchak, say, says the Gemara, says the Midrash. Right, that not all of Yitzchak's progeny are going to be Avraham Zera, perhaps only one of them. And maybe you can make the argument that, again, Yitzchak wanted Yaakov and Esav to work together, but one of them was going to be in the front, the other one was going to be in the back. So, among all the Mepharshim, you have all different versions of how much did Yitzchak know, how much didn't Yitzchak know, who did Yitzchak plan on putting first, who didn't Yitzchak plan on putting first. And when you see the the Mepharshim, you see the Pesukim, you you could see a a whole variety of different permutations of how to understand the story. But what's important to understand is that in these blessings was... Not just you know um, who's gonna you know who's gonna get a bracha, but it's who's going to be the nation of Klal Yisrael ultimately. This parsha is where the deal was basically sealed. It was going to be Yaakov Avinu, and next week Bezras Hashem, 
when we get to Parshas Vayetze, we will see how the family, the family of Kla Yisrael, is ultimately built. But until next time, that's Parshas Toldos. Again, the Toldos Yitzchak, but one Zara Avraham. Continuing that mission to become the conduit through which the world will be blessed and earn the ultimate good, we end up with two choices, Yaakov and Esav, and ultimately, the legacy will be carried out through Yaakov Avinu.